You're gonna talk louder than that, right? Uh, yeah. What do you think? You really want to know? <laughs> well, what are we trying to get out of this? We're helping our clients get more done. Nailed it. Ba-bing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to our podcast, a roundtable forum dedicated to the art of content marketing. In this episode, we're taking a look forward and discussing trends to watch in 2020. I'm Michelle Jackson, alongside Janet Cornus. Hi. Megan Kramer. Hello. Kara Finnegan. Hi. And Brad Causey. Hello. And our guest today is Jason Gray, GLC's Director of Digital Operations. Hi, guys. So let's talk 2020 trends. Jason, kick us off. The trend that I'm seeing and have seen a lot of since this Black Friday is called retargeting. Um, retargeting is where you visit a website and all of a sudden the ads are chasing you around from wherever you go to. Google does it, uh, Instagram's doing it, Facebook's doing it, Pinterest is doing it, and all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you're reminded by where you went. Now, this type of stuff is going to be important because it becomes something that all organizations will be pushing because it reminds them to join or to uh, you know, sign up for this webinar or to sign up for an event. And it makes sure that it's top of mind because they visited the association website or they visited the healthcare website. It's a big deal because in our, in our business, um, that's exactly what they want, retention and growth. So uh, as a trend, I see it as something that's going to be very powerful. Thanks, Jason. That's awesome. Well, something that I'm seeing more as a trend that's going to continue into 2020 is this need to make your content work harder and go further for you. So traditionally, I think we viewed content and content channels in somewhat of a vacuum. So your print magazine is separate from your podcast, which is separate from your content website, which is separate from your e-newsletter. And I think that there's a push now to remove those barriers and, and think of your content under one umbrella, because that's how your consumers, that's how your audience is seeing your content. So when you remove those barriers, I think you not only gain some efficiencies, I think um, it helps you create a really strong content brand in the eyes of your audience or your consumer. We helped a client, a healthcare system last year, sort of move to this um, different way of thinking. Previously, they were producing a print uh, magazine, which they were viewing and planning differently from their content hub, which was viewed differently from their e-newsletter and from their new podcast. Uh, so what we helped them do last year was sort of think of those things under one cohesive content brand and plan for those things under one planning system. Um, for example, a print story might not just be a print story. Maybe we develop an online article that's an extension of that print story based on the existing interviews that we're doing with the sources. Maybe the person that we interviewed makes a good podcast story and a podcast candidate because they are charismatic and they've got a great story to tell. So we develop a podcast that's an extension of that. Maybe we're going to promote this story in the e-newsletter. Maybe there's some social legs to it. So I think this is just a great way to get more bang for your content bunk, essentially. Janet, tell us a little bit about snippets. Sure. Snippets are changing the way people search and find content online. So what's the first thing or one of the first things that you do when you have a question about anything? Go type it into a search engine nowadays or maybe a voice search engine, of course. Um, Interesting fact, Google receives over 63,000 searches per second on any given day, and the average person performs three to four searches a day. And I think I'm actually guilty of performing a lot more than that. Um, Featured snippets, they've been growing in prevalence ever since Google launched the algorithm back in 2014. 
And if you're not quite clear what they are, um, go ahead and type a question into your search engine. Um, even what is a snippet and why are they important? Often you'll see an answer being featured and pulled out right away that links to a top ranking article or a website that has high page authority. This is important because this is organic. Um, this is not paid and it's considered even better than number one. It's number zero. <laughs> it's before the first thing that people see. So this is increasingly important in the way that we think about genera generating content for our clients and for our customers because you want to be thinking about what people are searching for when you are planning content. Thanks, Janet. So speaking of search, Megan, talk to us a little bit more about voice search. So voice search optimization isn't necessarily new, but I also became more interested in it over Black Friday because my dad asked his phone a question and he said he was determined not to type as much as possible. Like he only is doing his searches by asking Siri. Well, we know everyone has a smartphone, but by like 2022 or something, like half of homes are supposed to have smart speakers so that's just going to continue this trend of asking your device instead of typing what you want to know. And that is going to inform the way we write our content because people speak differently than they type. When they type a search into Google, they use like short kind of snappy keywords and then it pulls up. But when they ask a question, it's going to be longer tail keywords. Um, we're just going to have to really think about how we're writing our content and using our SEO. Thanks, Megan. Kara, can you talk to us about SMEs and influencers? Sure. So as we all know, as content people, um, two of the biggest important factors for content is, of course, number one, having great content, and number two, reaching the right audience with that content. So one of the ways in which content marketers are really um, amplifying this is finding third parties to help them create better content, and also reach more people. Um, so a huge trend in the past few years has been using influencers to help do this. Um, and so influencers are people with who have built a large, loyal following via social media, and um, companies are partnering with them to promote their products and their content for a cost. Um, and Instagram and YouTube are the biggest channels for this. Um, but it's also there's also many others that influencers are involved in. Um, and a actually, over the past few years, it's grown to be a several billion dollar industry. Um, so 2019, marketing budgets were still growing for influencers. And um, we may see that continue in 2020. Another avenue to go down is using, instead, more of a subject matter expert to help you build your content. Now, they might not have as much of an influence in the social media world, but what they're adding to your content could be more valuable. So it's really about finding that sweet spot and determining whether you need help with the quality of your content or the reach of your content. And the value of SMEs, of course, is that they might not be as much of a budgetary drain. They might be a person who wants to contribute content to be put out there with their name and their expertise. Um, and it could be as simple as paying them a freelance fee for writing an article or for posting a blog. The challenge then becomes helping them understand how to promote it with their own social following. So really finding that 
sweet spot of a contributor who can help you build quality content, reach the right audience, and keep your brand top of mind, um, and of course, meet your budget needs as well. Thanks, Kara. I think really keeping your audience top of mind is a theme that's running through all of everything that we've discussed. And Brad, what you're going to discuss, which is podcasts. Yeah, that's right. I know it might seem like beating a dead horse to talk about podcasts because everybody has been talking about podcasts for a while now. They're super trendy and some might think the market is oversaturated, so why bother? Given the cornucopia of information and entertainment available to us, the podcast is unique because it doesn't require the visual focus that pretty much every other format does. Because podcasts allow us to multitask while listening, people engage longer and consume more information from podcasts than nearly any other medium. There are many good reasons to start a podcast. Convenience, giving your audience the information they seek in the most digestible and convenient format, that's a big one. Authority, providing good information on a regular basis in a popular format establishes your organization as an industry leader and subject matter authority. Personalization, the human voices of a podcast give your audience the chance to connect on a personal level with your hosts and guests, potentially creating deeper loyalty to your organization. And they're inexpensive. Creating a podcast doesn't cost much for the equipment and software needed. There's numerous articles about how to start up a podcast, so I won't get into the details of that here. I'd rather offer some tips and advice. Number one, patience. Don't launch a new podcast until you've recorded at least three or four episodes first. It takes a few to establish your style, voice, and consistency. Number two, consistency. The audience wants to connect with the podcast regulars, so make sure to have a dedicated host or core group who will be on each podcast to welcome back the audience for subsequent episodes. Think of it as relationship building. Number three, charisma. However good your information is, you need people with personality and wit to sustain the effort over time and retain a listening audience. Number four, frequency. Publish episodes on a strict schedule every first Tuesday of the month, for example, and stick to it. The best time to publish is early morning to catch that commuter audience. Uh, lastly, remember this is a serial approach. Don't do one-offs. Podcasts are episodic by nature and the audience craves familiarity. Create the podcast brand with a standard intro, your music messaging, et cetera, and build that relationship with the audience one episode after the other. So Brad, I love our discussions around podcasts. I think there's so many different questions people have about them. And I think one thing, you know, you mentioned the prevalence of podcasts, how many there are out there. Um, how, if, if you're creating a podcast series, how do you convince your audience to listen to yours over the others that are out there? Really, uh, it's the same thing that applies to all of this stuff where the more content that you create, the more podcasts you publish, and the more relevant the information is, you know, your audience will come. Yeah, I think that, you know, the tips that you gave on how to create a quality podcast series, that's one of the ways that you convince your audience that your podcast is worth listening to when they have 10 other options. The thing that I keep coming back to about podcasts is that their, their versatility is unique, you know. So if you are a source of information for your membership or, um, you know, a leader in the industry, it's almost an, uh, an obligation, I would say, to, be, to provide your information in all the formats that people would, would want to consume them in, you know. And podcasts just continue to be a, a very popular medium for people, especially busy people, you know, who would like to listen to, you know, like listen to a professional podcast on their way to work or, you know, while they're out exercising. 
um, you, you just you're you're able to give them more information and for a longer sustained time. You know, they will stay with you. And if you have good hosts and good content, they'll keep coming back. Right. It's like give the people what they want, mm -hmm. which takes us back to our search discussion. Janet and Megan, you know, there's there's some crossover between what you you guys talked about. Talk to me a little bit more about how voice search is related to snippets that you see. Yeah, I think Janet's kind of on a roll talking about snippets here because voice search optimization, when you ask this question of Siri or Alexa or whomever, they are going to pull like the best answer. And so according to Google, like they'll give authority to the best answer and that will be your snippet. So snippets are going to be really important if your audience is also searching with voice. My prediction, since this is a 2020 forecast podcast, is that podcasts and audio will also one day become the basis for what you're talking about, Megan, with voice search. Um, right now, my sense is that podcasts are, you know, getting started. Yes, they're gaining popularity, but they're kind of on their own in a different platform. Um, you often have to go through an app or Stitcher or another podcast platform to access that content. But I'm looking forward to when this content, audio content, becomes more integrated with voice search and uh, Google search and just written written type searches. Um, I think that's all very exciting. And what Michelle was talking about earlier of multi-platform content planning and strategizing for various different platforms, I think is very, very important this year. And, and back to the retargeting discussion, Jason, you know, obviously we're seeing it with consumer goods. We're seeing it in the retail space significantly. What about, you know, for our clients who might be associations, healthcare organizations, is it something that there's a place for them? There's a place for retargeting in those spaces as well? Absolutely. Because retargeting itself, from a membership standpoint, if they're uh, trying to drive membership and I put the the, the snippet or the code that um, will retarget them on, say, the membership page where, okay, you've been there all of a sudden, you're a non-member, but you now end up at the membership dues to uh, find out how much it costs. Well, at that point, you're, you're uh, triggered, okay? And since you're triggered, if you are going around, it may remind you someplace else that says, hey, you were interested in joining here it is. It may offer you a discount. It may offer you any kind of nudging. Retargeting is really important in that sense. But then there's another, there's another term. It's called remarketing. And what that is, is if I've gone down the road of actually putting some data in the, uh, the say, the membership or an event, and my email is in there, but I haven't finished the transaction. I had a phone call and I left. Well, now they have that content, and now they're emailing you saying, hey, you didn't check out yet. Um, just want to let you know we're going to give you 10% off if you start today or reminder, 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 okay? And remarketing and retargeting combined is a powerful tool. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And I would even argue that in a space like in associations where you have a high ticket item like membership, you know, that's that doesn't come cheap, you know, or maybe the association provides education. An education course for an association is a pricey thing. They might need retargeting a little bit more than you would need to buy, you know, a $10 pair of mittens or something. And some of the places where it also makes a difference is in the, uh, the conferences, like the big conferences where they're really trying to push, trying to get as much people to 
you know, attend as possible. It becomes a really important strategy because that is, uh, I say, almost a third of their budget goes yearly to these conferences. So they have to put focus on this. And it's a short window. But the thing about retargeting and remarketing is it's fairly inexpensive to execute. Okay, So from that perspective, the clients are, would clamor for that because if it's an inexpensive way to get the actual event or the actual webinar or workshop in front of the members or non-members, they're all in it. I'm curious how that would tie in with the influencers that you're talking about, Kara, because it seems like that might be part of that ecosystem. Yeah, and it's all about meeting the audience where they are, really, what all of this is about. And I think another element that connects you know, the influencers and the snippets is the idea of adding authority and credibility to what you're looking for. So when you type something in and those snippets pop up and you see that it's from a really credible website, it's instant and it's believable and you can run with it. And if you're getting information from a person that you instantly recognize and trust, you're more apt to absorb that content as well. So it kind of all works together to get the audience to trust you, really. Absolutely. And quick clarification on snippets and how much actual control you have over it. You don't have that much control. You can't say, oh, I want to be the you know top snippet answer. It all stems from SEO and page authorities. So the way you build that is exactly what we're talking about today, working with influencers, partnering with subject matter experts, and doing everything that you can to ensure that your ranking is is high and up there. And I think, you know, Google prioritizes those content providers who don't just give one-offs. You know, I have this article on this topic, and there we go. It's said and done. You need a network of you know, every topic has a hundred different ways it can go and different questions it can answer. And when you start becoming an authority on that topic and all of the elements of that topic, Google likes that. So I think that, you know, your ability to develop multi-channel content on extensions of topics is something that that's going to help you search wise. Yeah. Well, and I think it speaks to your trend of repurposing content. I was listening to a podcast recently. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Marketing School, Neil Patel's podcast. His uh, co-host, Eric Sue, was talking about how in a typical month, he only puts out a new blog post, like new content once a week. But his staff is repurposing and editing his existing library of content 90 times. And he's generating leads through that just by by retouching content that they already have. You know, so his point was that, you know, you don't have to continually generate new content because that can really deplete your resources. But if you spend time repackaging, repurposing, updating, refreshing your content library, it can go a long way for you. Absolutely. And think about some of your meteor content types, like a webinar, for example, or maybe an annual report. All of the data that's in those, all of the tips that are contained in those, uh, you know, you'd have to read the entire thing or watch the entire webinar in order to gain it. What infographics can you pull from your annual report to promote on social? How can you pick apart your webinar with uh, tips may be developed in the form of an infographic that you promote on your website and on social. So it, I think especially with those longer format 
content pieces like podcasts, uh, longer videos, annual reports, webinars. Think about the different extensions you can take with those. Again, for efficiency's sake, but also reach your customers, reach your audience where they are. Yeah, definitely. So a good exercise that I think ties all of this together and would be beneficial for snippets and SEO is to go through your content with the five W's, who, what, where, when, why. Rethink how your existing content, whether it be a blog article or a podcast, could answer those five questions and create short responses that directly speak to those questions in a way that people might be searching for content online. And there you go. You have new content that you could place in a new blog article or add to your website that could help improve your search engine optimization. I think a great exercise for anyone that hasn't done this in early 2020 would be a content audit. Looking at those questions and seeing how you can repurpose content. Are you amplifying this content appropriately? What's been your most popular content over the last year? Um, I think that's a great start heading into 2020 to to um, take your content strategy to the next level. The theme that ties everything together and all of the right decisions in content marketing, I think if you ask yourself the question is, is this what my customer is looking for? Is this what my audience wants? And if the answer is yes, then it's the right, it's the right move for you. I th- you know, whether it's, you know, Google's algorithms are wild and crazy, but they always have the end user at heart. You know, they want to get behind how people are searching, what they prefer, how they ask questions, whether it be by voice or by, you know, detailed question, um, you know, those snippets are delivering really what customers want, what the end user wants. So I think that, you know, if you're ever considering a new move in your content marketing, that's the question you need to ask yourself. And a lot of it has to do with what the user's intentions are, which is what Google is really doing now, which is the results are based, they can kind of determine what the, the intention of the search is. So am I searching for how something works? Am I searching for how to buy that thing? Am I searching for why people use it? And Google is now able to interpret that intention. And that goes back to SMEs and influencers as well, because are we, is our intention to sell a product? Is it to provide information? What action are we wanting to get from our audience? So it's not just about bombarding them with information, but really targeting what do we want out of our audience and what do they want out of the information that they're looking for? So we've talked a lot about what does your audience want and how do they want it, but how do you, how do you know that? Like, how do you figure out what your audience wants and how they want it? What are some of the things that, that you guys think are the, that you've used or that you think are going to be the ways to do that in 2020? Well, I think another big trend is user-generated content, right? So when you see content and you are able to look at how the audience is reacting to it and what they're sharing, you can then adjust what you're creating based on that. And that could be a dangerous rabbit hole to go down in some ways, but in other ways it does inform you about what people are doing with your content and how they're interpreting it and what what they want more of or less of. Right. Yeah, I know we talk about engagement a lot, but it, it does seem that you know, social media in particular, people want to feel part of groups. They want to identify, they want to have relationships, you know, by personalizing 
that brand or that organization and reaching out and having relationships with your customer base, um, you, you reinforce that, that loyalty really, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for. You want people to come back for, for more, you know, information or another pair of shoes or whatever it is, you know, you want to build and maintain those relationships. I can't see where the AI that is being utilized in our smart devices when we ask for things could help with brand loyalty because as AI evolves, it's going to get to know you. And so it's going to be able to kind of expect what you want, which is weird. But I mean, the more you're asking and the more it's getting to know what you're actually looking for, I mean, that could keep leading them to a client's content over and over again. And I think that's what's so important about Michelle's topic too, is that to establish that brand awareness to approach the audience in multiple different ways becomes important to establish that loyalty. If you have a budget and are able to do some pay-per-click campaigns or account-based marketing campaigns, there are a lot of metrics and results that you can glean um, from from these projects. Um, For example, on LinkedIn, you are able to upload a list of, say, your members and target the target a piece of content by profession or location within say 25 miles of a conference site and that gives you invaluable information about who is actually engaging with your content you're able to see say of the 1000 members that you uploaded um, into a database on linkedin how many of those actually viewed your story or your ad, how many of those people actually clicked. So I think there's definitely a great um, tracking mechanism um, that's built behind um, some of these programs and sort of automated systems that you can set up. This discussion naturally evolves into digital, right? Because that's where so much of the change and the evolution and the exciting things happen. But I think that it's we're in a really great spot because we are rooted in that print world which has so many great values to it meaning we do have to publish great content because we have a limited space right we do have to always keep our audience in mind because we are spending money sending it directly to those people and we have to be efficient about that in the digital world there there aren't those rules necessarily so I think for us it's exciting that we have that root in the print and we can always have those values informing what we're doing in these exciting new trends and doing it in conjunction with the print. I think it makes us really well um, equipped to serve clients in a really special way. That's a really great point. It's, It's sort of like if you don't apply those lessons of quality and not just quantity to the digital content world, you end up producing a lot of things that mean little to a lot of people, you know, and, and mean nothing to most people, you know? And I think that if we apply that filter to our digital content, Google likes it better. Our customers like it better. Our audiences like it better. It's, it's, it's more fun to create good quality content. You know, it's sort of a win, win, win. Well, thank you guys all for joining us today. Um, You know, we've covered a lot of ground here. There's a lot more ground to still cover, and we're going to be doing that uh, in the coming year with our podcast series. So stay tuned for more.